And a happy Tuesday to you, Lima Land. Welcome inside the Basement Doctor Studio on this Tuesday. I'm John Cook. My partner's Garrett Seawright. Together we're Cooking in the Monster here on Lima Sports Radio 93 on the Fan. However, you are choosing to join us today, whether we are on your radio at 93onthefan.com or on the free 93 on the Fan app. We appreciate you making time for us. Happy Tuesday, sir. Yeah. Is it a happy Tuesday? Close enough. Yeah, I'd say you're right. I'd say you're right. We didn't have to experience any losses on our baseball teams last night, so that's yeah. a good thing. And, and we might not tonight if the weather keeps it up. You know, <laughs> I, we're more optimistic about the weather keeping the keeping the losses away from us well, tonight than actually, the possibility the, of playing. The, the Reds are playing in Milwaukee. They got a they got a retractable roof. They're they're probably they're gonna probably going to play. They're probably going to lose tonight. Yes, if they're, if, they're, if they're going to play, the likelihood is they're going to lose. You it's, don't have it's to really, say they're probably going to play. They're, they're playing, they're losing. It's really difficult to argue that. I, I think I think that's fair to say. Is this as bad as it's ever been? There is somebody out there who will tell me no, but I think maybe there's a portion of me that tries to block out some of the things that were that really was, bad. Like I got to be honest, when 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 the guy that you looked forward to in the rotation was Bruce Barini. That was that was tough. When Scott Scudder was an up and coming arm that you you know were looking forward to seeing that that wasn't so easy to stomach. Um, when Wayne Krenchicki was your third baseman, there, there were some down times. In fact, I have a buddy who's a big time Reds fan whose whose fandom has probably waned a little bit in recent years. But we used to occasionally just send each other text messages with names of Reds from like 1981 through 1984 or five, just to, just to laugh at the names on the page of guys that we. You know, watched and, and and tried to Alex Trevino, what was a catcher who, if you don't remember Alex Trevino, you don't because you. I, I, uh, of the people you have named, am not aware of any of them. Well, nor should you <laughs> be. Not, nor nor should you be. But I, I can't. I can't say definitively this is as bad as it's ever been. I just would like to have that discussion so someone could try to prove me wrong. <laughs> I just, I I knew that there were stretches, and I knew that there have been stretches recently. <laughs> Where they have been bad. But I don't know that it's ever been, I mean, this, this bad. Now, did you ever think you'd sit around and say, man, wish, wish we had a Homer Bailey? Oof. No. <laughs> wish, wish, wish we had a Homer Bailey we could run out there every every fifth day. I, You know what? We're not going to do that because last night there was a whole lot of sports that was valuable. I learned again, and it is not so much of a happy Tuesday because I learned again last night that I'm getting old and I just can't stay up late. Very, very frustrated by that. Very excited. Extremely excited about the prospect of watching the the Phoenix Suns and Dallas Mavericks and didn't know that Booker would be back and be able to do what he did but thought he might play and that was good and and look I am one of those guys and there's there are listeners out there who will know this if you are NBA people. If Luka Doncic is on TV playing, I want to watch. I don't like to miss when he's on the screen because I think that's how good he is and that's how much I enjoy watching him. There are great players in the NBA that I love to watch, but he is the guy in the league right when he's playing, I want to watch. And I started to with great intentions. I started to. And I got to admit, the first quarter was a little less than, than enthralling for me. Phoenix was, was far better than I thought they would be. I made it to late second had to check and out that was it that's it as as far as i could go and and you know i was essentially the game was over after three and the, the sun's got a 121 114 win that's after being outscored by 10 in the fourth by the way but for what it's worth luca 45 12 and 8 he said 45 <laughs> 12 and 8 
in a loss. The Suns take a one nothing lead in the series. And you know what? The early game wasn't one that really had my attention. Plus, my four-year-olds won't let the early game have my attention very often. Well, because why would you watch? Why, why would you watch the Heat when Bluey is a possibility, John? Well, I, I, it's not whether I would. There's lots of reasons why I would watch the Heat when Bluey is a possibility. But the the issue is I can't have the TV when Bluey is a possibility. And we were going to watch a lot of Bluey. And we, we've we've got a new show that we like called Chicken Squad, which is absolutely as asinine as it sounds. <laughs> And, and we watch Chicken Squad and we watch Bluey. But I did not have a great interest in the Heat and the Sixers because I thought you were going to ask, why would you watch that game when the Heat are going to go play the Sixers without Joel Embiid? And that was kind well, of my mindset. That too. That, too. That, that was kind of my mindset. And, and the early part of that game kind of made me feel that way. It, you know, at the end of one, it was like, okay, I checked the score out. There's nothing to watch here. And then I saw the halftime score, and I think it was a one-point game at half. And I, the Sixers were ahead. <laughs> So I was like, hey, hey, let's check this out. And then the second half just did not go well at all. The Sixers score 41 total in the second half. James Harden gets a, a whopping 16. Uh, look, I love Tobias Harris. I think Tobias Harris can be the third best player on a team that wins a championship. But when he's got to go lead you in scoring, he's not being the third best player on a team that's trying to win a championship. And for whatever else it's worth, I think the Miami Heat are one of two teams left in the playoffs with a legitimate possibility of holding you under 100 points every time they play. And if they got that opportunity, then there's a good chance they're going to win. The Heat are spectacular, and they got a 106-92 win to take a one nothing lead in that series last night. So that sets us up for a, a Tuesday night in the NBA that's, uh, again, I am all in on the NBA playoffs. So I want to see how the Celtics respond against the Bucks. That's a 7 o'clock game on TNT. Bucks up one nothing there. Celts with lots of question marks. Garrett, let me ask you, if you lose the first two in a series to the reigning champs at home and you're down 0-2 going on the road, is it over? Yes. So tonight's a must-win yes, Tonight's a must win for the Celts, right? I would think so. <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I, I would hate to rule them out because I think if there's a team with a mentality that could come back from that, it feels like it might be them. Like they might be able to counteract the 0-2 deficit at home against the defending champs and play in a game seven. So I wouldn't put it past them. But yeah, if you go down 2-0, I don't like your shot. Not at home, man. That's that's a bad deal. But now there's an believe it or not, there there's been a ton of criticism since since game one of the Celtics taking a ridiculous number of threes. Did they take fifty? I believe they took fifty threes. I will in game one and they didn't shoot it well but I, I heard a statistic today and you'll have to forgive me for not having it exact but the analytics people around sports and in, in the NBA in particular they were 18 of 50 they yes. were 18 of 50 18 threes <laughs> in say, a game when you say it like that you make 18 threes in a game and don't score 90 don't score 90 so that says a lot now they're 28 for 84 from the field 36% from the three in this current NBA isn't spectacular, but it's certainly, as a team, 36% is something you can live with. My issue is 53s is deemed to be too many, and possibly it is. You want to get more points in the paint. You want to get to the free throw line more. I get that. But I heard a stat today that of the 53s that they took, 45 of the threes were deemed by an, an, an evaluation of the shot quality as open, open. or better. Open you, or better, better than, than open. How do you get better than open? So if it's better than open and 45 of the 50 were open or better, 
maybe it's too many, but you made 18. If you'd have made 21, it would have been nip and tuck. Is it asking a lot to make 21 threes? Yes, it is. But if you shoot 50, it's not asking a huge amount out of this team, particularly when you like the quality of the shots. I don't think they're going to want to shoot 53s again. However, if they get 45 open or better looks, I'll bet they take them. I think it is not necessarily a must win. However, the Celtics have to show something of an answer offensively. And again, defensively, Giannis is Giannis. You're not going to get him stopped. I think the Celtics have the ability to defend Milwaukee as well as anybody else, maybe better than anybody else in the East, so we'll see how that unfolds. And the Warriors and Grizzlies are the late game, 9.30 p.m. Warriors up one nothing in that series. Uh, look, I just I, I think that one's going to be short-lived. I, I just think that Golden State is... Better. So sig- so right. significantly more experienced at the postseason deal that that's really going to be their ace in the hole regardless. I, I think they are playing a team that that can hurt them in some areas. They can be hurt on the defensive glass, and Memphis is a great offensive rebounding team. They can be hurt by the athleticism and by the length. But they they are the team in the West that I thought coming into the postseason, if anybody was, was going to be possibly able to knock off Phoenix based on the regular seasons that they had. It's just the Golden State style of play, the playoff experience. And oh, by the way, Jordan Poole was, it turns out, is really, really, really He's damn good. Doing all right. When, when I think a lot of people weren't sure about it. So I've seen all of the tweets from when he was drafted this last week. Seen them all? <laughs> seen them all. Well, that, that was not a popular or, or widely regarded selection. And it's going on right now. Also, can we go back just for one moment? Sure. If you were watching film with another person a basketball film and you said well that was an open three and somebody replied or better <laughs> what would you, how do you get better than open like is there a open wide open I think that, really wide open I, I, category I, I think there is an open category and an uncontested category is okay. what, I, what i believe right. separates that makes sense, the difference actually. i think open is is differentiated from uncontested and i don't know what the distance is of the defender or any of those things but i do believe that categorically speaking when they separate shots there is contested there is open and there is uncontested i believe okay. I'm not, again, I don't look at those I stats. I just was like, how, yeah. it, what's better than open? Right, you're open or not, right? Uncontested. Wouldn't make sense. But if you got 45 threes that were at a minimum open, that means you got a significant number that were uncontested. And you still made 18. I don't know. I know that a lot of people are going to jump off the Celtics bandwagon, and I'm not ready to do that. But I might be after tonight. <laughs> tonight might change my tune if it looks like a lot they like lose game close, one. If they lose close... Can you stay on that bandwagon? I, I can. There's no question. One hundred one ninety nine. Yeah, there's no question. I can. They're still going to. Obviously, they're going to have to go to to Milwaukee, and they're going to have to win right away. And they're probably going to have right. to win both in Milwaukee. But we've seen that happen before. It's not unheard of in the NBA. So we'll see how it unfolds. Time for our first Don Jacobs Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we will get to our Vonsjewelry.com Twitter poll questions. We got the. Hey, we're going to have a little Urban Meyer conversation today. Here we are. Just because. So if you want that, great. If you don't, come on, stick around. It's Urban Meyer. Why would you not want the conversation? I'm John Cook. My partner's Garrett C. Right. We're cooking the monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. Back inside the basement doctor studio, John Cook, Garrett C. Right, cooking the monster with you here on Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. Second segment of the show. That means one thing. Vonsjewelry.com, Twitter poll questions. I gotta turn my own microphone on because I You are a professional. I am too stupid to figure out what all these buttons do. <laughs> All right, that's a hell of a 
start there. We got Twitter poll questions up that you can vote in at 9 on a fan <laughs> on Twitter until 510 today. Short show. Short show. So 510. The first question, and we'll talk about this in moments. Are you surprised the NFL found no evidence that Hugh Jackson was paid bonuses to lose games with the Browns? 84% say no. And every one of those people is a Browns fan. I didn't. I'm not surprised if, either. I got to be I'm honest. Not I'm not surprised. Like I'm, I, I might be the slightest of mildly surprised because Jimmy Haslam's a crook. <laughs> like let's just let's call a spade a spade. Jimmy Haslam's a crook. It would not have shocked me if you know in Hugh Jackson's Christmas bonus there was you know ten thousand dollars per loss with a thanks. Well, listen. There's an argument to be made here, Garrett. That simply putting someone into the position of head coach and requiring them to coach that roster was paying them to that's lose true. games. It's true. There's an argument to be made there. And there's an, and that's why I've that's said a, There's along, an argument to be it, won there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, if he got that bonus check, it, again, it wasn't to lose. It was because he lost. Right. Hey, buddy, you're plugging away, and we know you're working hard. We did this to you, so here's some extra cash. Right, you're feeling a little bad. Go see Santa. Yeah, like, you know, I've been in that situation before where the boss was like, oh, hey, am I taking advantage of you? (laughs) Yes. Would you like $50 and $1 bills? (laughs) Yes, I would. Because that's how little little I value myself. (laughs) $50 in a band and $1 bills. That'll do it, sir. Thank you. Appreciate that. (laughs) That's because they haven't crushed your soul yet. <laughs> but I've been there now. <laughs> now now I've had my soul crushed. Those and ones all, are no problem. It all makes sense. Uh, other Twitter poll questions up brought to you by Vons Diamonds and Jewelry, where Lima celebrates love online at VonsJewelry.com. Other than Fox, who else would you like to see broadcast Big Ten football games? We're going to get an answer to that in the course of the next month. Supposedly, the Big Ten schools are going to get a billion dollars a year for their football TV rights deal. $71 million per school from football <laughs> media rights. And right oh. now, CBS is the leader in the clubhouse. The options are CBS, NBC, ABC, or ESPN. CBS at 48%, ABC slash ESPN at 43%, 4% for NBC. Now, I probably taking us down a rabbit hole we don't need to go down, but when people cast those votes, Garrett, are those votes determined by well if CBS gets the games I'll get to hear these people call it I think and a little I think a little bit I mean what do we don't we don't have any clue who NBC would have call the games if they got the package right no we have no idea to me and that's intriguing it, it is to me as well also because you can like not you can you can hate on Notre Dame all you'd like but if the Big Ten is playing before or after Notre Dame going to get an audience you're going to get a pretty decent audience yep even if it's maryland rutgers is on nbc after notre dame versus cal you're going to have a pretty decent audience for that and i think that's good for the league but i gotta be honest if it's if it's about who's calling the game i have really really taken to gus and joel clatt i think joel clatt is outstanding i think he's spectacular I do, I, and it's something that we can talk about this you know, another day for a whole different conversation. Of, um, I do think there's just the slightest bit of pandering there. Oh, where, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it's yeah. just like, okay, all right, I get it. Nobody's as good as Ohio State ever in the history of the planet. Ryan Day is the 
best thing since sliced bread and the wheel and fire put together. <laughs> While I think that, I don't necessarily want you to, like, I'm not, as we've talked about my self-worth already in this segment, I don't necessarily need to read or hear how great I am to feel like I'm great or, or I, I just, it, it's a turnoff to me almost. I don't need that crammed down my throat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I kind of want you to tell me how much I suck. If four to be per, fair. If the same percentage of people have voted for NBC and other, what other? So the other was reportedly TBS and TNT made, Ooh. A, made a pitch. Ooh. And Amazon and Apple also made pitches. That Amazon... I don't want that. Amazon would like to pick up the Friday night package that Fox Sports has. They would like the crappy games that get put on Friday night. Apparently Amazon wants them. So if they're going to fork out like a billion dollars for the television package, they're also going to overpay some broadcasters, right? Correct. <laughs> That'll be so, interesting. I got to let us move on. I, that whole thing fascinates me. I got to let us move but on. I, but I think, I, I think you're right, though. And uh, the ESPN, ABC ESPN to me is intriguing because right now every conference in America has every sporting event on ESPN+. Plus. You can watch, and believe me, I've done it. You can watch Southeast Louisiana versus... Um, incarnate word softball on ESPN Plus, but I can't watch Ohio State Michigan baseball unless I've got Big Ten Plus and I've paid fifteen dollars a month to watch the Ohio State games. Well, I love you, Ohio State, but I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. I'm not gonna pay fifteen dollars a month to watch Ohio State baseball and hockey. No, hell no. But you get that on ESPN Plus. There's a chance I'll watch every damn game. Right. So. ABC ESPN was intriguing to me. And our final poll question. Are you more likely or less likely to watch baseball games that start at 6.10 p.m. like the Guardians will here coming up in about two hours? And 66% say they are more likely to watch games at 6.10 than less likely to watch games at 6.10. Why? I don't know why. I don't know why asking that question even enters my mind, but why are you more likely to watch a 6.10 start than a 7.10 start? Well, if that puppy gets over it... I mean, uh, maybe not watch at the start because I, I won't get home till six fifteen. By the time I eat dinner, it's six forty-five. Whatever. Right now, like on a normal, I'll get home roughly around seven o'clock. Um, so I'm 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 good with it. But maybe you're just more likely to watch the entire thing, or you're right. more likely to watch the end of the game if it starts at six ten rather than seven yeah. ten. I just I can't like I mean yeah we're on the air till six most days. So that impacts things. But I can't get unwound and sat down to watch anything is before 7, 7.30. Most nights, 8.15. Right. Like, 8.15 is like, hey, girls, go get the jammies on. Right, right. <laughs> and, and then I can start thinking. So I'd love to watch a 6.10 baseball game. think that'd be kind of cool, but it ain't happening in my house. Right. I'm, I'm more likely to listen to a 6.10 baseball game. <laughs> yes. If I'm going to be in the car or doing whatever than sit down and plop. Like, I, as you might be able to tell from this body type. <laughs> little sedimentary. So once I get plopped down, I'm plopped down. So I'm once I once we're plopped, we're plopped, man. So I, I would prefer to plop later. What percentage of our listening audience do you think has very little to no idea what you and I look like? Um, I think I sound fat on the radio. <laughs> Cause, I, I didn't mean to laugh, but God, man, come on. A, everyone like you're like, man, that, that guy sure does breathe a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because this this stuff is working. I had a guy tell me recently that somebody asked about the, the show, and when he told the guy about it, he's like, "Oh, well, you know him," and he's like, "Yeah." And, and so then 
he showed him a picture, and I'm like, well, there's pictures out there, like the website. But he's like, oh, man, he, I, I thought he would look younger. I don't think you look... I, I, would never con- I would never in a million years think that guy looks 50. I, I don't know. Now, I would, uh, now, in a million years, you would like, that guy looks 400 pounds. Well, that's because he is. I'm not exactly... Like, when people are like, I don't know what that guy looks like, I'm not like, you know, a 230-pound dude who says he's fat. I... I think my mom started calling me Husky when I was eight, okay? <laughs> so, and that just turned, like, when I got my job in TV, my grandfather, who is, we've talked about off the air. Oh, uh, yes, we have. way with words, said, thank God we got a 42-inch TV so your fat ass will, will fit in it. <laughs> Thanks, Grandpa. Like, I appreciate uh, this. So this is not like, you know, you, you girl in high school who weighs 108 pounds after she ate a cracker. It's like, oh, my God, I'm so fat. This is not what's going on in this room right here. This is certifiable fat. I am fat. <laughs> and I know that. And it's my favorite Anytime you start like a... Uh, Did you feel better or worse if we used the word husky? What, what would that um, I would feel worse. Because, <laughs> like, the thing with fat is, John, if I can just go on a quick tangent here. I hate being like, I'm fat. Because people will say, oh, you're not fat. Yes, I am. You don't, like, if somebody was six foot ten and said, I'm tall, nobody would go, oh, you're not tall. Yes, you are. You're six foot ten. You're tall. I'm fat. Well, it's a little bit and like. that's okay. Like I say to people, like, I'm 50 years old and walk with a pronounced limp. You think I'm not used to being picked on? They're like, well, I don't even notice. Shut up. I, yeah, I got Yes, you do I'm, notice. Speaking of fat, I got a lazy eye. And Dave Woodward in the office will always be like, I forget sometimes you got a lazy eye. Like, are you stupid? Do you not use your eyes? Because one's looking right at you. The other one's playing poker in Vegas over here just by his lonesome. I was just, I was curious because I had a guy ask me about that. I don't, I don't care whether people know what we look like or not it no, doesn't I, matter to me at all but i thought it was odd that somebody said well i thought he i forget how they said it. he sounds older or i thought he would look older or he looked i don't i don't know what the statement was but it's like the pictures are more, out there more distinguished i thought you'd look more distinguished like, i don't it's know why to, you thought it's tough that. to make a slick bald head look distinguished right it's not, a, no, not an it. easy thing to do telly savalas kind of made it work but since then it's just become yep everybody's kind of bald so i just joined the crowd we got to take a don jenkins jugler timeout when we come back i am so excited <laughs> we're gonna talk about Hugh Jackson. Because Hugh has apparently, I don't know, he put himself in a position where more of his claims, or, or the right. to- totality of his claims, have been called into question once again. So we're going to ask, what happens to Hugh now? Join us after this for that conversation on Lima Sports Radio 93 on the fan. Back inside the basement, Dr. Studio and Mr. Seawright, Hugh Jackson's back in the news. Yeah, which... For, for anybody who might have been under a rock for the last six months, let's recap the recent history of the Hugh Jackson saga. So Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphins head coach, is suing the NFL and suing the Miami Dolphins um, for discrimination in hiring practices, says that he was paid extra to lose games for the Miami Dolphins. When that came out, Hugh Jackson said, oh yeah, me too, and went as far to say, hey, I've got documentation that will back this up. The NFL conducted a review because, you know, if there's anything they take serious, it's things that will make them look bad. And they did a 60-day review with the former head of the Securities and Exchange Commission, who, I mean, if there's anybody more credible than Mary Jo White, who you heard his name for the first time today, I don't know who. (laughs) Nonetheless, the NFL's investigation found no wrongdoing by the Cleveland Browns and that they could not substantiate the claims of one Hugh Jackson who said he was paid extra 
to lose for the Cleveland Browns. How many ways do you think Hugh Jackson's credibility can be damaged? Are there any left? I don't. <laughs> That's see, what I'm asking. I don't think so because you made real big claims that, if true, would have been bombshells, and then went as far to say, "I've got documents that will prove my claims." And then two months later, the NFL says, no, you don't. Can we see those documents, please? Can it be both? Can it be both that he got paid extra and he's got the documentation to prove it and the NFL's out here lying? And and, and please also take into account that in the middle of all this, his charity that he puts his name on was proven to be essentially a fraud. Yep. And financially... is financially fraudulent. Yeah, fraudulent. Yes. And while that was going on, he became the head football coach at Grambling State University. Which is the HBCU football program. Now, Deion Sanders has done a great job at Jackson State, but if you were to ask anybody your age older, my age older, what's the HBCU football program? Grambling. Grambling is... Cut and dry, number one. And while being the head coach at Grambling for a very short period of time, he announced the hiring of one Art Bryles. Oh, my gosh. Who he then had to fire while he was defending himself and his charity that was financially fraudulent. The the question on the show sheet is, what's next for Hugh Jackson? Go away. Shut shut your mouth. Shut up. Don't speak. Don't write, don't publicize anything, and maybe, maybe coach your football team in the fall in any way that's remarkably close to competently, maybe some of this goes away. The only thing he's got left, the only next for him is find a way to win some football games at Grambling so we can talk about something else. But do you have any faith that he'll do that? Nope. And <laughs> that's the that's the problem. Is I I understand the position like Grambling is in. Jackson State hires Deion Sanders. Tennessee State hires Eddie George. You got to make a splash too. Hugh Jackson is not the splash that you think it is or want it to be. <laughs> it's a splat, not a splash. Right, it, right. That is a that <laughs> is a splat. <laughs> Everybody else making big waves, and you're making... (laughs) But, I just, if you're going to come out and say, I have proof that an NFL team was essentially throwing games, there can't be any ambiguity in that. There can't be any, any gray area. It is either I have documentation, or I'm a big fat liar. Now, if he did have documentation, would I would I expect the NFL to come out and be like, burr, 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 the Cleveland Browns are, are cheaters and Jimmy Haslam's going <laughs> to lose his franchise? No, I don't. But I would also believe that at some point it would get out that maybe there was a little more smoke to that fire, if there was. For the NFL to come out and say, there is no evidence to substantiate these claims, is poppycock. I'm just, I guess my my great takeaway from this is that Hugh Jackson 
whatever he might do as the head football coach at Grambling State University, I don't I don't see the pathway to to reestablishing any level of character. Yeah, like you, your rubber stamp on your forehead as a liar now, right? Like it is, like you lied, and I don't know if there's a way to beat that that stigma that that attachment to you from here on out. You lied. Well, and and, and really the 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 most damning part of it for me with with Hugh Jackson is all of the things that he did that have have painted his character in such an awful way. He had to do none of them. He wasn't right. backed into yeah. a corner and forced into some circumstances where he had to to do something and he and he had, you know, bad choices and he chose the lesser of the evils or maybe mistakenly chose the worst of the two evils. He no. voluntarily did all of these things when nobody was bothering him. Nobody was bothering him when he spoke up and, and tried to, I, I guess, piggyback on to Brian Flores' publicity and lawsuit. No one was bothering him after he took the, the grambling job and decided to hire Art Brock. What in the hell was he thinking? And then to start talking about that charity and he spouted off about it, which means people are going to go digging. And I wish we had, we could do a whole show on, on what he did with, with paying himself and then giving his salary back. And he was his only donor. And I, right, I that's tax fraud. I, you are committing tax fraud. Look, I'm not going to sit here behind a microphone and pretend like, well, my gosh, I'm just absolutely appalled that a professional sports coach has character issues. Right. That, that's not something that would be considered newsworthy. But, to but it's it the way the that these things have come about, and it's the way that he has managed all of it. I got to be honest, Garrett. When you when I saw the question, what happens to Hugh Jackson now? I think we're we're, we're possibly going to see Grambling say, no, 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 we're done. See ya. I don't know that we will, but I think it's possible. I think that's almost their best option. I think it is. Is it not? Since you've been hired, you've been nothing but an embarrassment to the school and the program. Now, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the other stuff going on with Grambling, where they hired a volleyball coach and she cut the entire team. I did br- see that and brought brought in other players from the transfer portal. Like, if you're here, sorry, don't care. See ya. Boop. Um, I, well, that's th- the portal. They got other issues, but if the only time anybody's talking about you is for the wrong re- reasons, Urban Meyer, you got problems. You got problems, and, it's, and at some point. It's not sustainable. No, it's not. And so it brings to mind a question for me that I hadn't really thought about at all until right this second. Do you have any idea what USFL coaches are making? I don't. I, I don't either, but I'm thinking to myself as I'm thinking, if, if Grambling decides to very publicly say, you know what, enough's enough, this is the final straw, like we tried to stand by this guy, and, they're, and they can list the things that have created an embarrassment for him, and therefore, by extension, for Grambling University, and they came, or Grambling State University, and they came out and said, we are moving on, Hugh Jackson will no longer be our football coach, what would be the likelihood that they could go to Kevin Sumlin pretty, and say... Uh, pretty high. Hey, what do you think about this college gig? Come here and let's rebuild Grambling. Let's do it the way you did it. You know, when you when you got things rolling at Texas A and M, and is a guy like that gonna look at the USFL and say, "Yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe Grambling's the way to go." I don't think so. I think you welcome Grambling with open arms. And go, yep, let's do it because that's probably like I don't. Is there a path to Kevin Sumlin being an NFL head coach someday? I would think the answer to that question is hell no. I would think so. But could he be a D one FBS 
coach again? Probably. You start that reclamation project at, at Grambling. I I don't know. I just I don't I don't know what you do with Hugh Jackson from here on out. I don't know how you. I just don't think you, I don't right. know what you do with him either, but you don't associate yourself with him voluntarily anymore, in my estimation. And I'm not a guy that speaks out and tries to get coaches fired. I just don't do that. But I. But at some point. At some point, you've got to look at what the guy has done for himself and for your for your institution in the short time that he's had the title of head coach of your university, and he's not brought a single second of positive press attention, anything to Grambling. And now right. the NFL has gone so far as to declare publicly, um. No, not, not only was there some question about you, y- y- we have no evidence to support the things that you claimed, and that's a pretty public denouncement from an institution that's fairly well-respected. Maybe not entirely re- respected, but fairly well-respected no, yeah. in the NFL. I think what's next for Hugh Jackson is he's unemployed. Stay tuned. We'll find out. Got to do a Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk about another coach with credibility and character <laughs> issues that we haven't chatted about for quite some time. But Shad Khan finally spoke on the Urban Meyer matter, and I think you'll want to hear what Shad Khan had to say. So stick with us after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. We'll have that conversation and more. Cooking the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. And our number two straight ahead here on Cooking the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. We've got a scheduling update. Yeah, Guardians. <laughs> Rained out. They'll play two tomorrow, so you won't get us. Damn! I know uh, it just tears you up inside. No cooking a monster tomorrow. Guardians, Padres play two like the good old days. But that does mean because of the rainout that we will not be leaving the air at 5. What were we scheduled to leave? We're going to leave at 5.30. We're going to leave at 5.30. You've got us until 6. we got a full show now, which means the show sheet that didn't have a full show now has to be put together to have one. Yeah. So it's kind of nice that we get to carry over topics from one segment to the next. But before we do that, you know at the top of hour number two, it is time to get a quick reset on Arvonsjewelry.com Twitter poll questions. This is what it sounds like when we're planned ahead. You imagine how great it's going to be (laughs) when we're just flying by the seat of our pants for a half hour? Uh, we do have Twitter poll questions up that you can vote in f- till 510. So get a move on to at 931 a fan on Twitter. And they're brought to you by Vons Diamonds and Jewelry, where Lima celebrates love online at VonsJewelry.com. The first question Are you surprised the NFL found no evidence that Hugh Jackson was paid bonuses to lose games with the Browns? 84% say no. They are not surprised that no evidence was found. We're also asking, other than Fox, who else would you like to see broadcast Big Ten football games? CBS, NBC, ABC slash ESPN, or other? 50% now are saying ABC slash ESPN. While 39% say CBS. Not a whole lot of love for NBC there. No, and i, I got to be honest. I, I think there's a lot of vitriol in this country toward the mothership, but yet our listeners and, seem to prefer them. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know if it's they're savvy enough to know. Hey, you got to have a presence on ESPN in college football. It's just got you got to do it. They own the sport, or they just don't like Notre Dame that much. <laughs> like, you know what? I don't want to be second fiddle to Notre Dame. I don't know. Could make Notre Dame second fiddle. I would think that would be more likely, but nobody asked. Me. Maybe even pressure Notre Dame to become a member of the Big Ten. Hey, that would be great <laughs> for everybody. Our final question, which is a completely moot point now. Are you more likely or less likely to watch baseball games that start at 6.10, as the Guardians were scheduled to do tonight? They might Thursday. They might Thursday. They might. But 69% say they are more likely, nice, to watch games that start at 6.10 rather than your traditional start time of 7.10. And I, I, I get it from an in-person pers- in perspective of, 
hey, if you want to take your kid to a weeknight game in April or May, it, it better start at 6 because otherwise, well, I mean, you probably don't have to fight parking in Cincinnati anymore. I would think uh, it would be lo- much less <laughs> of a concern. You don't have to fight getting out of there or anything like that. But, you know, you're trying to get your kid home in bed before, you know, 10 o'clock on a weeknight. You can't go to the game. So they bump the start up till 6.10. It helps helps everybody, and apparently it helps our listeners and viewers. They're more likely to watch a 6.10 game, they say. I'd like to vote in favor of that. I just look at the reality of my life and the, the fact that 6.10 <laughs> 6, 6, p.m. sneaks up on you pretty quick. Pretty quick. Hey, we, we, right before the break, we were chatting about Urban Meyer kind of being back in the news, not directly, but because Shad Khan had spoken out finally for the first time since uh, the firing of Urban Meyer in December. He, he had some, I, I think, rather transparent comments about his feelings about what really precipitated the firing. And maybe it wasn't surprising to anybody, but it, I thought it was at least refreshingly honest to hear that it really was a character and a trust issue. Uh, we didn't get your thoughts. Well, I... I, I think you're right in that generally when when that happens, it's when that situation happens, everybody tries to be as amicable and say the right thing as possible. Don't ruffle any feathers. Don't denigrate anybody on the way out of town. All of those things. But for Shotgun to just flat out say, when you lose the respect, the trust in issue, and it's an issue of truthfulness, how do you work with somebody like that? I think those are those are pretty strong remarks. And I don't know if that's just kind of Shad Khan's MO of, I'm going to tell you what I think, and I'll tell you how I feel, and if I say the wrong thing, hey, that's my bad. But to just flat out basically say it was an integrity issue with Urban Meyer, I think is interesting. Well, I, I think it is interesting because I think what I would have expected him to point out from an integrity standpoint is we, we can't trust his decision-making. We can't trust his sense of priority or his commitment to the organization. You know, he, he's demonstrated, you know, poor judgment. But to directly state that it's an honesty issue, which, which again, is, is a no mistake about it, make no mistake about it, way of saying that his explanations of or defenses of himself cannot be believed. Right. Because I'm sure Urban Meyer's Urban Meyer, and when you are a sports hero in this country and you've achieved to the level that he has achieved, you are always going to have a pocket of people or a percentage of people who would like to say, well, let him explain himself in some of these areas. And there are those people who want, maybe not desperately, but borderline desperately, to believe his explanation and the guy whose responsibility is it, it was to evaluate those explanations and make a decision about the future of his franchise on the basis of what he believed to be the truth, he's simply telling you whatever Urban Meyer said to us in, in terms of response to the things that he was criticized for, questioned about, or in some cases caught doing that right. he needed to offer an explanation, none of it was believable. And I guess my – and it's not a popular opinion in our neck of the woods – this isn't the first time that that's been presented in regards to Urban Meyer. When when Zach Smith, Courtney Smith, Shelly Smith, or not Shelly Smith, Shelly Meyer, Meyer, Gene Smith, all say Urban knew about a situation that Urban Meyer says, I didn't know about that. Am I supposed to believe Urban Meyer? Or am I supposed to believe everybody who says he knew about Urban, Urban at Big Ten Media Day says, well, there, there was a situation in 2006. I didn't know about that. Zach Smith says he knew about, knew about it. 
Courtney Smith said he knew about it. Shelly Meyer said he knew about it. Gene Smith said he knew about it. But Urban Meyer says he didn't. Come on now. Urban Meyer says, I didn't kick Josh Lambeau. The Jaguars lawyers say, yes, you did. Yes, you did kick the guy because we've got the the train we've got witness statements we've got other people saying yes you kicked him there's a doc- documentation of you kicking him and then when you're like ah it never happened I don't even know what that's about bruh <laughs> there's evidence that yes you did do this so how do you because uh, it worked the first couple times you lied about stuff and here's the qu- maybe this question doesn't have an answer so therefore possibly this is a bad question but I'm gonna ask it anyway. What part of this is attributed to just audacity? I mean, the man's got big brass balls, and that's what you do. Yeah. What part of this is attributed to hubris? Just a, an, an absolute overconfidence in who he is and what he can sell? Or what part of it's just ridiculous arrogance? I, nobody other than politicians in this country have those three qualities in greater quantities than guys that that coach college football, right? Period. And Urban Meyer might have separated himself from the rest of a very large and very very successful pack. I I I wonder if I, I would venture to guess actually that the the hubris and the overwhelming arrogance are probably one and the same there that he thought I'm Urban freaking Meyer. What are they going to do? Fire me? That this this organization has bowed to my every will. What are they going to do? They're going to throw away a year and set the franchise back a few years? No. So I get to do whatever I want. And then it's like, no, you 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 don't. You don't get to do that. But for Shad Khan to just um, he didn't flat out come out and say we had integrity issues with Urban Meyer. He stopped just short of that though. To say, to talk about honesty and truthfulness and accountability and respect. Essentially, what you're saying is, is the dude was an a-hole and I couldn't put up with it anymore. After 14 games, 13 games. That's a big statement. Which was exactly one and a half games more than I said (laughs) he would coach during a, a prediction. And that was early. That was... That wasn't before stuff started going bad. That, no, was, no, no. that wasn't before he got a check the oil at the Pint House in <laughs> no, Columbus. It in, was it was in the preseason. Like we're, they played the, the Browns in the first week of preseason, and we talked, and you were like, I think he makes it 11 games. In the interest of full disclosure, I believed he would take the USC job right, or some right, other right, college right. job, not but, that he would absolutely force himself to be fired because of a just an endless string of, of Poor decisions and character-related messes. But we asked this question during the Hugh Jackson conversation. What happens to Hugh Jackson now? I, I, I want to ask it about Urban Meyer because I have been the guy who has loudly said over and over and over again, get fired for anything other than losing and you can get another job. What happens to Urban? He's going to be on Fox Big Noon Kickoff this fall for the, the 10 to noon show. He's going to be on Big Noon Kickoff. Do you think that will... Uh, think that will hurt Fox if they no. want to keep the Big Ten? Because, well, you know, like, <laughs> honestly, he's really good at it. He actually he's, is great. He's fantastic. Like, why wouldn't he be? He's, he's much, good at everything he he's does. He's much better than Bob Stoops. Like, that's Bob Stoops that's was, more than fair. Uh, Urban was great at it. And, I like, I enjoy watching him in that setting. I do think 
Do I think he'll coach again? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I also think he's going to wait until somebody begs him to do it. I don't think he'll go out looking for jobs. I think he will wait for somebody to come to him. Because I think I think you almost look a, a little better in that scenario where you can say and and to be honest, I don't I don't know that I would believe Urban Meyer in this situation, but or in any situation. Well, and it, I I can't. But if he was if he was to say when he's at his introductory press conference, "Hey, this athletic director came to me and asked and said, "Hey, I need you to resurrect our program." I think if he can build himself as the savior of a program, he would do it. But I don't think he goes out looking for jobs right away. Don't see how he can. And if he ends up back on TV, I guess that's the logical next step. But it wouldn't. I, I, I'm actually even a little bit surprised by that. Got to do another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, it'll be time for football 515. Stick around for that after this on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Back inside the basement, Dr. Studio. Nice and safe, we think. We hope. Football 515. And Service Master Richard Service welcomes you to Football 515. To hard work, determination, and sportsmanship create opportunities to be your best. Like Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win, but it's the will to prepare to win that makes a difference. And that's why at Service Master, they don't cut corners, they clean them. Uh, before we get to our Football 515 topic, if you're on like I-75 east of Lima, like uh, it's going to be raining really hard really soon. If you are east of town, it's raining hard. I can't see the other side of the street from from this building. So uh, just be prepared for some very, very, very strong thunderstorms for what looked like just a hot minute. So be aware. It's been a hot minute, and it can move on any time now not bother it's, me. It, it got nasty there at the end of that last segment where I just watched it get darker and grayer and darker and grayer. And uh, It is raining substantially hard here in downtown Lima, so if it's heading from west to east. So if you are east of downtown Lima, um, be prepared for some very strong thunderstorms here for just a little bit. I was going to ask, when does something become a weather event? Because it looks like we're flirting with it. Well, there was the time that there was a, uh, a tornado going through Van Wert, and I broke into programming on 92.1 The Frog and said, hey, you know, there's a tornado going through Van Wert. It's headed west to east. Uh, we'll keep you updated here. We'll get back to the music. Here's Blown Away by Carrie Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the highlights of my radio career there. Like, oh, oh hey, there's goodness. a tornado on the ground. Well, please be careful. Yada, yada, yada. We'll get back to the music, but we'll keep you updated. You're blown away by Carrie Underwood. So, uh, yeah, at some point, um, it's not not really windy. That tree's not shaking. So, yeah, we've seen it a lot closer to that window than it is right now. Yeah, of the days to be on the second floor. <laughs> Right now is not a fun one, but uh, just keeping you abreast that it is raining pretty hard, hard enough that it will affect some visibility. So if you're on 75, maybe 30 east of town, uh, be be mindful of that. Uh, have the Cincinnati Bengals been disrespected, John, or are their players just kind of doing the whole motivating thing? Um, their voluntary their voluntary offseason workouts start um started yesterday and a lot of their players talked about how they feel disrespected by the media and by other teams and things like that that people called their run to the Super Bowl a fluke and um it, it, they got lucky and things like that so have they been disrespected or is this just one of those times that you got to find some motivation and put that chip on your shoulder I believe because I am chief among the people who are guilty of what I would say is probably inadvertent disrespect 
I did not feel like I was trying to be disrespectful to the Bengals. It wasn't my goal when I right. evaluated what occurred last season, and I simply said from my observation what I felt like was they took advantage of an opportunity that presented itself because of circumstances within their division and within the AFC. They still had to go make that stand up, and they did, but I've said this before. The Steelers were a mess in a way that I don't think is likely to be continual for the Steelers. The injury disaster that became the Baltimore Ravens basically from the opening of training camp to the end of the season cannot be counted on to be repeated again and again being presented with that opportunity they still had to make it stand up but I believe that as an individual I came away from the season saying is what the Bengals just did repeatable just because of what they are or is it only repeatable if they get certain things to line up that, that don't have anything to do with them? And I leaned towards it, believing that it was likely that as they were currently constituted and wholly constituted, they were good, but I don't think quite as good as what their overall performance would have indicated, their final performance on the year would have indicated. If they want to pr- receive that as disrespect, I think they have every right to. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, and I don't think most other people are either. No. But I would say it's fair to say that if you aren't willing to say the Bengals are for real, then you're being a little bit disrespectful of what it took to accomplish what they did, regardless of what the circumstances were. If you look through somebody's run to the Final Four in March Madness, nobody goes, yeah, but they got there because they beat a 12 seed and a 9 seed in the Elite Eight. and You know, they had an easy—nobody n- says that. We're all aware of that. But if somebody points that out, it's not disrespectful of the run that they made. Is it truthful that the Steelers were an absolute abomination by their standards in 2021? Yeah. Their quarterback have a noodle arm and had really no business playing in the play playoffs. If the Colts can beat the Jacksonville freaking Jaguars in Jacksonville in week 17 after their coach got fired for checking the dipstick on the college co-ed and kicking their kicker. Yeah. Did they beat the Tennessee Titans, who are probably widely regarded as one of the worst number one seeds in NFL AFC history, yeah, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs on a in overtime in a situation where nobody thought they were going to. Yeah, it's not disrespectful to point those things out. It's a reality. Now, if you're going to say they got lucky, they got lucky that their rookie kicker had just cojones, cojones <laughs> the size of watermelons in that in them britches, then maybe yes, you are being slightly disrespectful. But to point out along the way of did you have maybe an easier run to the Super Bowl than people would have expected? And were you an underdog? Yeah, but did people also celebrate you and root for you and look forward to what your future looks like because you're not going to be the same old bungles? Yeah. I think it's more of a motivator of, hey, we we played in the Super Bowl last year and we've got to find a way to get everybody on board that rather than you've genuinely felt disrespected. I don't I don't see it that way and I don't know how they see it that way. I don't have a difficult time understanding how they see it that way. I really don't because when you finish the season that they finished, even though all of those things are true, I would believe that as a competitor you would feel disrespected by anybody who doesn't say looking ahead to next year, the Bengals are either the favorite or 
certainly second favorite in their division. And I think that's the part that feels disrespectful. Not that you necessarily think the playoff run is coming again, but I was right away. Like the second Saturday after the Super Bowl ended, I'm on the, the Sports Wrap show, and they asked me who I think is going to win the AFC North. And I said the Ravens, probably, and the Browns, if they get their stuff together. And I said, there's no way the Steelers are going to be ter- that terrible again. I didn't even mention the Bengals until right. probably third, and even indicated by what I said that fourth might be a possibility. Now, they are ahead of the Steelers, and they're gonna, not going to finish fourth in the division. But I think there is a reason to feel disrespected if people can watch what happened and still say that not only not necessarily are you going to make a deep playoff run, but you're not a favorite in your own division? But isn't that the reality? The, I think the, it is. The, I feel I feel very comfortable with that. The team but if who I loses the, Bengals, the Super Bowl doesn't generally go to the playoffs next year. Well, and they think that's the part that I think the Bengals are trying to ignore. And if I were a Bengals fan, I would be trying mightily to ignore that. But you and I talk about it on these airwaves. We've talked about it quite a bit. When they lost that Super Bowl, there it's unavoidable to me to have a twinge inside of me that says... Mm, I I don't know when the window opens again. Because we've yeah. seen it too often. We've just seen it too often. And when you watch the Ravens do what they did in the draft, I think you ought to be pretty nervous. They're not going to be without every running back and cornerback on the history in the history of the planet <laughs> again for a second season. I just feel statistically like that can't happen. So I, I don't I don't I just don't view it as disrespect to say, hey, you might have made the Super Bowl and yet you still might be the third best team in your division. And it's not anything that you've done. It's that the teams around you have gotten A, healthier, and B, better in free agency in the draft. I don't think that's outlandish to say. I don't I don't think it is either. I think it is analytical. I think it is wide-angle perspective. I think it is probably measured to think in that way. But again, I have no problem understanding why the Bengals view that as a level of disrespect. I mean, it's it's sort of like this for me. In my house, we have very young children, a young child, and we have a, a, a young adult. And none of them have an interest in keeping our house clean. Not a, not a shred. And when I ask repeatedly for help in certain areas and I get told, yes, okay, you'll get that, and then it doesn't happen, I feel disrespected. Now, I have to take into account that a teenager is a teenager is a teenager, and 19 is 19, and there's lots of other things that matter, and saying, yes, you'll do something, and then getting asked to do something that's a much more attractive offer, and you go off to do that, and you forget what you said you would do, is a very real thing. Being 10 years old and being you know, incapable of, of maybe committing to something that is just drudgery is right. real, and being four and not really having the ability to take off your pull-up and take it to the trash and throw it away once you change just instead of just leaving it. In. Those are all things that aren't really escapable. They aren't being disrespectful to me, but I feel pretty disrespected a lot of days. I think there's some similarity here. I get that. I think there's some similarity. I, I Again, I get that the Bengals feel disrespected. I totally understand why people say and feel the, the things that they feel. The intention but, isn't. Right. The, the intention is to be way. disrespectful, but the Bengals have every right to believe. Look, you can say all those things. Would you acknowledge the excellence that we demonstrated and that that doesn't necessarily have to go away just because the other things? We, we may still be capable of that, even if all of the things that worked in our favor last year don't work in our favor again. We've still got Joe Burrow. We've still got an improving defense. We've still got all the things that we had to get those things done. Hey, I guess what I said at the time was, you can take all those things and say, boy, they're fortunate to be here. But when you go deliver and beat the Chiefs, right. you've earned it. 
then you have probably demonstrated that you could have done all the other things, even if everybody else was constituted as whole and healthy. You probably still had what it took to get there, although if it didn't happen, no one would have been surprised. I get the feeling disrespected. I don't believe they are being disrespected, but here's the key, and it was the second part of the question. If they're only doing it for motivation, good enough. <laughs> True. Have at it. Yeah. I mean, and you're going to need that motivation because you have climbed you, to the mountain absolutely are. And you got knocked but, off, but... But you're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. I'm just going to send it to Sports Center after once this is over, so... I'm... Uh, Back inside the Basement Doctor studio, and we kind of sidestepped a, a topic and had to uh, evade one because the National Weather Service be- has become our innings eater during today's <laughs> show. <laughs> we were excited to have a full show back, and the National Weather Service has eaten up uh, a little bit of our show, but that's we jest because if you are hearing those announcements, obviously, depending on where you are, some things are very, very serious. We want to make sure that you... Uh, are aware of what you need to be aware of and that you're making good decisions about you and your family and your safety. But uh, we've we've had a lot of football conversation today. Well, I mean, that's what happens after the draft. And some conversation today around the Tennessee Titans. Incumbent quarterback Ryan Tannehill says that he was not informed that the Titans would be selecting Malik Willis with, what was it, the 86th pick in the draft? Somewhere in there. And uh, he was not informed. Third round, yeah. And he, I, I guess, did his best Brett Favre today. Well, I, before we before we dive into that, do, do they have to tell him that they're drafting a quarterback in the third round? Like, I, no, not really. I don't. I don't know that you're you're trying to replace replace Ryan Tannehill with Malik Willis at some point. You're not drafting somebody in the third round with the with the expectation that that guy's definitely going to supplant our current starter. I don't think. Well, if you want to eliminate that from anybody's thought processes don't throw three interceptions in a playoff game when you're the higher seeded team and lose well, it cer- certainly seems somewhat easy that you know <laughs> like hey um all you gotta do is not not lose the game like that's the the titans whole thing with ryan Tannehill is don't don't lose the game we're not asking you to win it for us just don't lose it for don't us be the reason we lost and he did not manage that i would say that he didn't but he made the statement that we all remember, I think, I think famously remember Brett Favre saying that <laughs> yeah. it wasn't his job to mentor Aaron Rodgers, and he certainly didn't go out of his <laughs> way to do that. And Ryan Tannehill said the same thing. Essentially, I don't literally have the quote said, white in front of me, but the, he the, said, "I don't think it's my job to mentor Malik to, to mentor him in regards to Malik Willis." And then something along the lines of, "If he learns something from watching me, of course that's great," or something along those lines. Uh, I don't imagine that statement's going to rub too many people the wrong way. Although I've got to believe that if Malik Willis has any Aaron Rodgers in him, it'll motivate him. Because I think it did did motivate Aaron Rodgers. But does Ryan Tannehill look good saying that? Like, does does he come across well? I don't know that anybody hears him say that and goes, yeah, he's a fiery competitor. It sounds like, oh, you're kind of a jerk. I think you're absolutely right, and I think a lot of the perception of what it means to hear him say that's based in what we think of Ryan Tannehill. If Ryan Tannehill was Brett Favre, he could say that, and people would say, oh, don't you just love who Brett Favre is? That's what makes him what he is. We don't know exactly what makes Ryan Tannehill tick. 
And the interesting part of that, Garrett, is if you read the article on ESPN.com today, those quotes are a part of a larger article um, when Ryan Tannehill admits that after the playoff loss, he intentionally sought out in, uh, intensive or more consistent therapy. He's been a guy who's gone to counseling for a, for a while, but basically declared pretty openly that it took a lot of work to get through that playoff loss, that every time I closed my eyes, his quote was, every time I closed my eyes, I kind of rewatched the game. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep for weeks. I was in a very dark place, and it took me a while, and it took a lot of work to get out of it. So when you have that as the, the, the context for what he's been dealing with since that playoff loss, and that then is dovetailed into what did you think of the team's draft selection and, and, and you know is it your job? I don't think it's my job to mentor him. If he learns from me along the way, that's a great thing. I mean, those, those things taken together create a little bit of a different context than just, hey, do you think you ought to be mentoring this rookie? They do, and I think it's admirable, one, to go – to therapy and go to counseling and try to get over um, that difficult situation that you went through. And I think it's fantastic, one, to do it, but then two, to speak about it, to be an NFL quarterback, an NFL starting quarterback, and come out and say, hey, I had to go to counseling uh, because I, I was in a dark place. I was struggling, and I did this, and now I, I'm, I'm, I'm better because I think it helps break the stigma that I think a lot of people need broken, that it's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to go to counseling. It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to deal with those things. And at the same time, though, where where I, I guess generally some of those things you work out lead you to then view things from a different perspective or or see things differently, but then to still be like, nope, I don't care. Not my job to get that dude ready. Do not care if that guy ever plays in the NFL or if he does a damn thing for us. That's the dichotomy that I, I guess almost struggle to understand. No, and, and I think – the, the other side of that is exactly what you just said, is when you dovetail those two things together, look, it's, it's become a little bit of low-hanging fruit in sports talk radio and, and sports journalism across the country to, to embrace the mental health aspects of athletes and to, to, to laud them for taking care of their mental health. It, it, it's, it's almost, you, you have to do that. Look, I, I, I'm a guy who's been through a ton, a ton of counseling in my life. For a very long time, starting in my early to mid-20s through present day, I have been through a lot in 25-plus years of counseling. So I, I totally get the value of it, the necessity of it mm-hmm. at times, and respect the living hell out of anybody that, that is willing to self-evaluate and go that route. I'm, but when you are as open about it as he is, and then you respond to a question about your role as a mentor for a newly drafted rookie quarterback who potentially has an upside that is tremendous, according to a lot of people. When you respond in that way, I think it is easy for people who want to, again, take the low-hanging fruit to say, is this an indication by his response, not of his competitiveness, but of his insecurity? And I think that's a fair question. And I I think the answer to that is, yeah, because I don't think secure people say I'm not going to I'm not going to mentor that guy. I'm not going to make go out of my way to ensure that he is that he learns or is prepared or anything like that. I don't think that sentiment comes from secure people. And it's okay to be insecure and it's okay, I, I, hell I think it's probably okay for him to feel that way. You come out and say, "Yeah, we're going to we're going to make sure that Malik learns and we're going to make sure that so should something happen that he's going to be ready and we're going to continue to compete if I'm not able to go some Sunday or some Thursday or some Monday. It's easy to 
and I guess part that makes me a hypocrite to it's easy to say one thing and do another. It's okay to feel like it's not my job to get Malik Willis ready. It's not my job to mentor him. But at the end of the day, who does that help? Does it help your team? No. Does it help Malik Willis? No. The only person it helps is you, and that's not necessarily a great attitude to have in team sports, especially in the NFL. I don't disagree with you at all. And and all of it gets lumped in because the other thing that's a part of that article that we haven't talked about yet and a a significant part of the conversation was about the trade of A.J. Brown, his his standout number one wide receiver. And a lot of his frustration was really centered around that because, again, he was shocked. He's quoted in the article saying, I was shocked when I was first found out. I was like, this isn't real. This isn't happening. It's a rumor. And then he said he talked to AJ and found out it was real. He said, I slept terrible that night and kept thinking it was a bad dream, but it's where we're at. And you know what what I think is being missed here? Maybe I'm crazy. I it's hard to predict. I mean, draft picks are draft picks and some of them pan out and some of them don't. They drafted Traylon Burks. Yeah. That guy can be spectacular. I think that's being undersold, and I'm hoping that Ryan Tannehill, as a leader, you lost the guy that you rely on and you're hurt by it, but you got to get beyond it because you got a replacement drafted, a young wideout that I think's got huge upside. And if you don't want to talk about the quarterback that you drafted, then talk about this wide receiver. And don't talk yeah. about the guy that's gone. Um, I don't know. There, there are some things about Ryan Tannehill's response that I think are cause for uh, a little bit of concern. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to judge anybody on the basis of their admission that they're going to counseling and then see these things, these comments, and try to, to play yeah. you know, dime store psychologist. But I, I, I feel like there's reason to have some concern about Ryan Tannehill's frame of mind going into a season that is very, very important to him and the franchise. I think all of that's fair, but especially the, the, the end piece of it's important to you because if this doesn't go well for you, this might be it. Are you going to get another opportunity as an NFL starting quarterback? I don't know. It's a it's a especially important time for the franchise because you're. I, I think their quote unquote championship window is either it's cracked open. I don't know if it's just opening or if it's closing, but they're there. I, I certainly don't know. they're there, but I you're right. Whether or not it's just opening and it's slim, or it's closing and it's slim, I, I, who cares? It's right. It's, it's cracked open. You, you, you better take advantage of it, and they've got one opportunity to do that next year. They've got to get that done. We got to take a Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. It'll be our last one of the program. When we come back, we'll get to our poll results, our water cooler conversation. I'm John Cook. My partner's Garrett here or Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, ninety-three one The Fan. Back inside the basement, Dr. Studio, one final time here on today's edition of Cookie and the Monster. Let's get to those VonsJewelry.com Twitter poll results. Yeah, we had a few questions up at 931TheFan on Twitter that you could cast your ballot on. And, of course, our Twitter poll questions are brought to you by Vons Diamonds and Jewelry, where Lima celebrates love online at VonsJewelry.com. The first question was, are you surprised the NFL found no evidence that Hugh Jackson was paid bonuses to lose games with the Browns? 85% 85% say no, they were not surprised. We also asked, other than Fox, who else would you like to see broadcast Big Ten football games? 51% say ABC slash ESPN, 38% say CBS. And our final poll question, are you more likely or less likely to watch baseball games that start at 6.10 p.m.? 71% say they are more likely to watch games that start earlier. Well, you'll have to wait until Thursday if you really want to watch. Well, no, they're going to start at 1 o'clock tomorrow, John. 1 o'clock tomorrow. Might be able to watch both tomorrow. (laughs) Doubleheader tomorrow, no cookie in the monster, courtesy of Mother Nature today. So you don't get your 6-10 start tonight, but you get two tomorrow, you don't get us, and then you get 
610 start on Thursday. What do you got for the water cooler, sir? So you talked about the NFL draft extensively the last week, two weeks, whatever, and how it's essentially a crapshoot. Um, everybody who was drafted in 2019, their fifth-year options were up. 11 of the 32 picks in the 2019 NFL draft did not have their fifth-year option picked up. So 11 of 32, you could almost call busts, busts, misses, whatever you would like to say. But 11 of 32. A third. Did not go well. So that's a, I, that number, and some of the guys on the list, you know, um, Devin Bush from the Steelers. So, I, I'm I, still bothered. I don't that. know how you don't pick up his, like Josh Jacobs, I kind of understand he's been a really good running back for the Raiders, but he's a running back. everybody views running backs as diamond dozens, and hey, you can, uh, well, we, we find somebody else. Yeah, yeah not not at all understanding the Devin Bush thing and, and really disappointed. I, I, I think he's a spectacular football player, and I think, has struggled at times to stay healthy, which means it's been maybe that's part of the equation. But I think you got to plan on him being healthy, and I think he's still got some some upside to get to. I think he's still on the come a little bit. A little disappointed in that. My water cooler conversation is just because I find it fascinating. I don't know if, how many of you have followed it, but Brittany Griner is a WNBA star who was detained in Russia over some controversy that deals with things that she had in her possession when she entered the country as a professional player and then was trying to uh, get back to our country. Uh, She's been detained for 75 days. That's not a short time to be detained by the Russian government. But the United States has suddenly decided that they now classify her detainment as a wrongful detainment. She is being wrongfully detained by the Russian government which means that that's going to change the way that the U.S. government approaches things, and they have a, an entire negotiation team. They actually use the word hostage negotiation uh, approach to this, and they have essentially given Brittany Griner's family and representatives the go-ahead now to go ahead and bring as much attention to this issue as they would like to. Previously, she had been told to keep it low-key, right. not to do anything to agitate Vladimir Putin and his government that might make her seem as more valuable of an asset to them than she would have otherwise been. The government has decided that she has been wrongfully detained, and that will change the approach that the U.S. government takes in trying to, I guess, acquire her freedom, to uh, have her released. And I, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it might lead to. But if you're negotiating with Vladimir Putin, I think there's always a possibility for things to get a little bit more unpredictable maybe <laughs> well and that's the i've seen so many people who have said she broke the law in a foreign country she should deal with all the consequences or or we could think about this somewhat critically she's in a country run by an unstable dictator who's invaded another country and started potentially a global conflict there's a very well-known american who is black who is a lesbian, who is in Russia trying to get out. What is the likelihood, what are the options, what are the potential that she didn't have hashish oil with her and she was detained? What are the possibilities? Probably pretty high. Now, could I believe that she had hash oil with her? Yes, I could. But I also wouldn't be surprised if she spent 75 days in Russia in captivity because she's an American celebrity who's black, who's a lesbian, 
in Russia, of all places. And I don't know that we'll ever be told exactly what made the U.S. government decide to change their stance on this situation. I don't know that we ever will. She was told to let the legal process play out, and now she's been told, no, you don't have to anymore. We're going to come try to get you out of there, and I think it's worth following. And tomorrow you don't have a show with us because the Guardians got two games, so you got more time to look into it if you choose. Appreciate you joining us for today's show. We are off tomorrow. We will see you again on Thursday. I'm John Cook. My partner is Garrett Seawright. Together we're cooking the monster, and this is Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan.